sure, I'm, I'm looking out here, man. Well, I'm glad y'all showed up, okay? I, I appreciate y'all being here this morning. Uh, again, yesterday, beautiful day, beautiful ceremony, and beautiful flowers. The flowers that are here, um, uh, Miss Rhonda, we appreciate you uh, giving these to the church, and uh, these are just amazing. Um, again, just, just a wonderful day, and they're headed to Hawaii, right? Suffering for Jesus, yes. Well, I asked him, uh, you know, earthquakes and volcanoes, you know, and he said they're going to a different island, so let's, let's pray that stays the case. I know they're going to have a good time. Um, take your Bibles, let's go to the book of Hebrews, and as you're turning there, of course, uh, you recognize a, a good-looking family back in our presence today. We welcome home the Duprees in for a weekend visit. Yes, Absolutely. And uh, I told uh, Andrew to talk to Dustin about working out a contract for the summer coming in just to play some softball. At least, you know, it's not that bad of a drive, three and a half, four hours, who's counting? One way. Um, it's good to have them with us this weekend as well. Appreciate so much um, the work that's been put in here and, and the foundation that was established in youth and, and uh, grateful that uh, uh, we also have another family who's taking that baton and, and running with it and just uh, God's been good to this church, blessed with two families that love youth and invested, investing their lives. And guys, I can't tell you, for a church this size, um, there's great reward in, in heaven for, for those workers and, and for this church family for believing in such a ministry. And so uh, thank you guys for your part in that. We're in Hebrews, I know, I know, but I'm telling you, this is it, because next week's Mother's Day, and Mama got to be happy, so we're going to bring a Mother's Day message next week, so bring Mama, all right? Y'all been put on notice. I want you to call your mamas if your mama's around, and bring Mama, and if your mama's not with us anymore, call somebody else's mama. Bring them, okay? Well, you know, we don't discriminate. Just bring all the mamas you can, and uh, we, we certainly look forward to next week for Mother's Day. Man, it's next week. Goodness. All right. Hebrews chapter 13, and um, uh, we started this last week, didn't finish, The Great Shepherd, and uh, uh, this section of Scripture, uh, again, gets into in the closing the reminder of what it's all about. What, what is it all about? And it is truly about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, that's what it's all about. That's, you know, the meaning of life. Jesus Christ. The, v, the VBS answer works because it's true. Jesus. That's the answer. And he is our great shepherd. You know, we talked a couple of sessions back about the responsibility of the under-shepherd and the pastor. And uh, again, that was simply to lay that groundwork to say, but you know what? There is a great shepherd. And that is ultimately who our eyes are to be fixed upon if we're going to run this race and finish well. Again, the outline, just by way of recap, uh, for those of you, uh, last week we looked at this, uh, Christ uh, greater than the prophets and angels, chapter 1 and 2, Christ greater than Moses and Joshua, chapters 3 and 4, Christ greater than the Aaronic priesthood, chapters 5 through 8, Christ's new covenant greater than the old, chapters 8 through 10, and faith in Christ uh, greater than the law, chapters 11 through 13. The main theme of the book, again, is by way of reminder of Hebrews, is found in the opening verses. Jesus Christ is clearly greater than anything the Old Covenant had produced. 
Jesus is the great high priest, the eternal mediator between God and man who never stops mediating. Think about that for a second. He never stops mediating day and night. He intercedes for you guys. He's your high priest. He's in the presence, the holy of holy. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for us. He's the perfect fulfillment of all prophecies and types and shadows pointing to the Hebrew Messiah within the Old Covenant. The book of Hebrews unveils Christ as the one who is greater than each of the types and shadows that were pointing to Him in the Old Covenant. Moses was the great lawgiver, but Christ was the perfect fulfillment of the law. The high priest in the Old Testament offered sacrifices each year. Jesus, the eternal high priest, offered Himself once and for all. It's done. The promises contained in the Old Covenant were for a season. But the New Testament is built on better promises that are forever written on men's hearts. That's what this letter's been about. That's what this past two, and e- two, two years, two plus years, who's counting? Um, that's what it's been about. And as we read the text today, there's a little phrase in here I think that'll make sense as to this recap. Listen, if you will, as we read uh, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, and we'll pick up in verse 20 and following. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. For I have written to you in few words. There's that phrase I was talking about. I've written to you in few words? Are you kidding me? (laughs) This has been two plus years, man, we've been in this book. That's a long, that's 13 chapters. But when you think about the context of he has just surmised the whole book of the Bible. He's he's surmised the whole of scriptures in this letter. He's given you a survey of all of the entire Old Testament. And he's saying, it's all about Christ. Look to him, the author and finisher of your faith. So, oh, okay. You did write in few words, did he not? I've written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Father, again, I I pray for your power, your strength. Lord, just let me be simply a vessel used for your honor today. Draw hearts to you. Uh, May we look to you the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, give us strength to run the race that is still set before us. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Again, in this section, we broke this up into two parts. God bless you. We looked at the work of the eternal. 
verses 20 through 21. And that was where we were at last week. This week we're going to be focusing on the way of the enduring. But before we move into the way of the enduring, I wanted to close out because I didn't quite finish the thoughts under the work of the eternal. So we'll pick up there in those uh, verses 20 and 21. And again, focusing on the work of the eternal. You notice here in this section, he, he gives this appeal to the brethren. Notice there. Um, he says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and honor forever and ever. Now, you remember we left with the phrase that it was God who works in, and then I said, it's you who works out. And again, this is that union we have in Christ. Christ has deposited the earnest of the Holy Spirit. You're sealed from that day that you were convicted of your sin. You were drawn to the Savior. You recognized whatever, whatever time that was in your life, whether you were a small child sitting in a church, whether you was at home kneeling next to your bed, whether you're driving down the car, whenever that moment was where God became very real in your life, you recognized you need a Savior. And look, if you've not come to that, that realization, if you've not come to that point to where you recognize apart from Jesus Christ, we're on our way to hell, guys. We're born dead in our trespasses and sin. Because from the beginning of time, man has fallen into sin. And so we're born, stillborn, spiritually dead. And Scripture makes this clear. That there's none who seeks after God. We're all like sheep, gone astray. So we're, we're wandering down this road lost. And unless God does something, we die in our trespasses and sin against a holy God. But God so loved the world that He gave. He stepped down into time. He took on the form of a man. And He took the punishment that you and I deserved. And He took the sin that you and I have committed, because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And Jesus Christ took that upon Himself at the cross of Calvary. That's why these Jewish readers of the book of Hebrews should have seen this clearly. They knew that God would provide a sacrifice. All of the ritualistic things they had been doing under the Mosaic law was pointing to the coming Messiah. All of the types and shadows that you read throughout the Old Testament. So as you read through the Old Testament, this study in Hebrew should help you tremendously in understanding books like Leviticus. Because it is again one common thread of grace from the beginning of Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. It is one common thread of grace that all points to the cross and the person of Jesus Christ. And Christian, we need to revisit this over and over and daily and minute by minute sometimes. 
that apart from the saving grace of God reaching down to mankind, there we go eternally lost. But God saved us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's why He went to the cross at Calvary, to pay for our sins. And so when that moment comes in your life, when you recognize, apart from that, I'm lost, I'm dead, I'm on my way to hell, God, forgive me. I do believe Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be. I do believe that He is the, the only way. I do believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Him. And when that moment comes, guys, there might not be oh, angel courses being sung that you hear, but I can promise you there are angels in heaven rejoicing because He says there are. You may not feel something emotional. You may not feel something like, oh man, it was, oh, what was that? It may not be a subjective emotional experience. But I can tell you what is a fact. If you have truly responded to the drawing grace of God to recognize your need of a Savior, and you have by repentance, that's the turning from, turning to, and, and by faith, trusting what God has given to you in Jesus Christ, putting your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ and who He is, God makes you a promise. He says to as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. Guys, there may not be a big fanfare that takes place. It may not even be at the front of a church at an altar kneeling. It may have been, and praise be to God, it may have been next to your bed. It may be driving down the road. It may be right now in this moment. But here's the point, guys. If you've not settled that, you need to settle that. And simply put, all you need to do is, is turn from your sin. Acknowledge that sin. And call upon a Savior. Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And by faith, you, you reach out for God's amazing grace and God's amazing gift. And that is His Son. The Hebrew writer knew this. And he's pleading with those people who want to hang on to the tradition. They just want to do the church thing. And they, they just want to hang on to those practices. Not recognizing what all these things are pointing to. The amazing grace of God. And so, these believers that are there in the midst that are reading this, this closing section is meant to be an encouragement to them. He makes an appeal to the brethren. Remember, this letter's gone back and forth. And we'll look at in just a second who his audience was. He's gone back and forth. But here he says he makes an appeal to the brethren. Notice this fancy Greek word, anekho. Oh, I got a little bit of that Hebrew in there. Anekho. Excuse me. That's better, Andrew. Aniko. Aniko. But this, give you a little word study here. It means to bear. It means to suffer or to endure. Again, we've been looking at Hebrews 11, and you know the suffering that, that was in play. You know that in the context in which this letter is received, there's getting ready to be an uptick on persecution. And so he says... He makes this appeal uh, to the brethren. So he said that God, it's God who works in, it's you that works out. He says that, you know, that, that he's, he gives you the giftedness to carry out his will. 
And so if you're going to be facing some persecution, that's a pretty important thing to know and understand, right? That it's all about God. Jesus is enough. He's given you the earnest of His Holy Spirit. As a believer, He promised He'll never leave you nor never forsake you. That's a promise. Never leave you, never forsake you. How important is that to the believers, the brethren that are gathered? Because again, do some history study. It gets pretty messy shortly after this time period. And so what a word of encouragement. So he says, uh, appeal to the brethren. This word, he says that uh, we are to, to, to bear. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. That's that word, an echo, to bear with the word of exhortation. Exhortation. The present imperative is a command to the readers to keep on receiving, keep on listening. That's what he's saying. Keep on listening. The readers are to keep on running the race. Remember, the problem when we do these studies, guys, is we break it up week after week after week, you lose the context. So please, during the week, go back and read the context. But remember, he's been encouraging them, run the race, run like those guys in chapter 11. You know, they didn't see it happen in their life, but they ran because they held on to the promises. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. And so he's saying, again, in this, this present imperative, it's a command to keep on receiving, keep on listening. Keep on running the race. Don't be disqualified. Don't shirt back like some of the people did. The idea is enduring discomfort or holding out in spite of persecution, in spite of threats, in spite of injury, in spite of indifference, in spite of complaints, in spite of retaliation. It conveys the sense of putting up with others. Remember we talked about in Hebrews 10, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together and the point of your gathering together was to spur one another on to good works? That's that agitation. I know, sometimes your pastor aggravates you about keeping on, keeping on, doing good works. Say, I got an amen in the corner. It was just silent with a hand raise. But remember, we talked about the oyster. And remember how a pearl is formed within an oyster. It's through that aggravation. It's through that irritation. It's through that rubbing. It's through that constant friction. And, and guys, it's, it's good when the brethren are together in unity, but also we recognize that when we hold each other accountable as followers of Jesus Christ, when we seek after God through His Word, sometimes iron sharpens iron. And when iron hits iron, sometimes sparks fly. But if God's at work in our circumstance and our situation, we're allowing Him to have His way, He's working in us so that we might work it out and live different, run the race with endurance. And so that's the idea and the concept here. He says, uh, it conveys the sense of putting up with others, exercising self-restraint for believers, only possible, empowered by the Spirit. Again, we're not going to do this in our flesh. Guys, we do it in our flesh, that's when we have problems. In the present context of the entire letter, the readers are called to forbear with the implication that there's something in this exhortation that might disturb the recipients. You think there might be something that might disturb the, the readers of the Hebrews letter? Absolutely. Their families and friends were pulling at them. You don't need to be a part of that group. You need to stick with what you know. You need to stick with the tradition of the forefathers. We need to continue the temple practices. We need to continue those, those sacrifices. We need to continue the Old Testament things, the Mosaic law. 
And the reader is doing his best to plead with his heart of hearts that, guys, no, Jesus has fulfilled it. Anechami is used in Paul's last known written communication to Timothy. Same, type, same word here in that it, it, it charged his young disciple to preach. It's an aorist imperative. It says, in other words, do this now. That's what he's implying. He's saying, do this now. Don't delay. It sometimes even conveys a sense of urgency. Same tense, same voice. For all the following verbs, the word be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure, anechami, sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. 2 Timothy 4.3 Michael Faberis did some research because I think here, as I read his quote, it gives us an understanding of kind of what the writer is saying here. So let me, let me back it up before I read this quote because I want to say this. I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. Two things that we see if we're going to endure. Christian, you want to know the way of enduring in your Christian walk, in your Christian race that you're running? You want to know the way in which to endure? Look in the text. There's two words I want you to circle or underline in your Bible. Word, grace. Word, grace. Those words are there, guys. The Word of God is the only thing that's going to, that's going to allow us to run this race and run it well. I don't know the mind of God apart from the Word of God. I don't know God's will for my life if I don't understand the Word of God. I don't know how to treat my wife, treat my children. I don't know how to lead this church. I don't know how to serve my employer. I don't know how to be a, a, a good employer. I, I don't know any of these things other than worldly wisdom. But you see what that gets you. Look at the world around you today. Look at the homes. Look at the families. Look at the classroom. Look at the places of employment. Look at the lawsuits. Look at the strife. Look at the wars. Look at, look at all the problems. Now, Christian, this doesn't mean that because we know the Word of God, we follow the Word of God, that we're not going to face difficulties. But that's the whole point. I'm making an appeal to you, brethren. You want to know how to navigate this world? You need the Word of God, and you need the grace of God. God has given us His grace in times gone by. The cross of Calvary is all we need to look to. The, His grace is sufficient for justification. But His grace is also present in your current situation in which you're living right now and whatever you're facing, and I don't know what you're facing, but God knows what you're facing, and His grace is sufficient for this present moment. Sanctification. Sanctification is God at work on you to conform you to, to be more Christ-like. That is Him allowing circumstances into your life that rub you the wrong way, that irritate you so that He can chip away some of those rough edges to make us more Christ-like. And His grace, future tense, 
is also sufficient. When He makes you the promise, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, He is also saying, the author and finisher of your faith, the hope of glory, glorification. One day Christ will return. One day we will go from these bodies into His presence. And that future grace is sufficient. This is how we endure. The Word of God. The grace of God. So let's take a look at this. The Word. 2 Timothy 3.12 reminds us. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You want things to start going badly in your life? I'll give you a recipe. Live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. There's a promise here. Hey, sign me up today, preacher. <laughs> That's why you never hear a real invitation, a real you know, altar call. Can you imagine the altar call that said, All right, if you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today and have your family hate you, if you'd like to surrender your life to, to Jesus Christ today and have to quit your job because of uh, all of the... Uh, immorality and things that uh, you've been participating in and you've been implementing some, some criminal activity within the job and now you're giving your life to Christ so you can't do it that way anymore so you're going to have to quit. Uh, if you want your uh, family to just completely disown you, if you, if you want you know, your neighbors to hate you, if you want to be called names and, and uh, you know, called a bigot and uh, just be ridiculed up and down in media and and called an idiot because you no longer embrace evolution. Yeah, these things, come on, come on. Won't you come? Won't you come? Please, won't you come? Come and give your life to Christ today so all those things, wonderful things can happen in your life. Now, you don't hear those invitations, right? But yet, Jesus himself said, don't count it strange when they hate you. They hated me before you. Are we better than Christ? I don't think so. If Christ, who did no wrong, committed no sin, was perfect and pure and holy and all His way, full of grace and truth and mercy, gets lied about, ridiculed, spit upon, beard plucked out, beaten, pierced, ran through, mocked. Why would we think that somehow we're just going to get a free pass? Sometimes I, I, I fear that the American church has been so inoculated to the true gospel of Jesus Christ that when persecution does come, and read Revelation, it will come. Now, I know a lot, of, a lot of, Larry's been teaching his class, you know, that the, uh, uh, the coming of the, of the rapture, and that is in Scripture. But let me just say this. There's no indication that we won't suffer prior to. There's no indication that America will even be in existence when God comes for His bride. So don't think we just get a free pass. We must live... Not in fear, but in hope, but prepared. And I can tell you, he who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus 
will suffer persecution. And it may be a small ridicule at work. It may be family not understanding. You, you know my story when I first became a believer in Jesus Christ and, 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 and I remember going to my pastor. Man, I was a, I was a basket case. I, I tell you, I just, I, I just need help, man. I still need help, but that's a whole other story. But I remember saying, I got that amen again, by the way. Um, I, I remember just pouring out my heart to him saying, you know, pastor, I need prayer. I just need, I don't know what to do. And, and uh, he started laughing. I'm thinking, this is not what I want for my pastor to laugh at me when I'm having this emotional breakdown. And he says, I'm sorry. He says, he says I chuckle, Jeremy. He says, because, let me ask you a question. Did you have these same problems two weeks ago? I said, no. He said, yeah, why is that? And I said, well, I wasn't a believer two weeks ago. He says, exactly. You were living in the pleasures of sin, weren't you? I said, yeah, I was. He said, exactly. You were floating downstream, man. You were just going with life. You were headed to the path of destruction. You have repented and put your faith in Christ. You are now desiring. God has given you a new heart to want to follow Him, to want to live His way. And you're going upstream. And anytime you're going upstream, man, you got current coming against you. You've got things coming in your way. It's a little harder at times as you're working out your salvation. I'm not working for my salvation. I'm working it out. I'm living it out. And when you live out your faith, Christian, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to have to have suffering and persecution. And so the writer here again is encouraging them with the word. So uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 4 says, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. See, I think Paul is the writer of this letter. I think there's a lot of telltales here at the end. But uh, again, these are some of the thoughts that he's penned before. We need to be patient. We need to have faith. And we need to endure. So Michael Faberes did some research and found that most people do not prepare to any significant way for church. So think about this, Christian, as I read this, as you've prepared yourself to come in today to receive the Word of God, because again, we're talking about the Word and how important the Word is. If you want to endure suffering and persecution, you want to endure this life, you want to run the race, finish it well. How, how serious are we taking the Word of God? How central is the Word of God to your life? Here's what he says. Research found that most people do not prepare in any significant way for church. In an average church, fewer than half of the worshipers pray for their encounter with the sermon. Now, I don't need a show of hands, but I do want the Spirit of God to let this sink into our heart. How many of you, yesterday or this week or this morning, today, genuinely sought God to prepare your heart to receive His Word today? Because this is important. If I really want to know God's will for my life, if I want to know the way of enduring, and I really want to run this race well, I need my heart prepared. I, Lord, prepare my heart. Help me. Help me to receive the truth of what's shared in this setting. Fewer than half of the worshipers pray for their encounter with the sermon. Less than a third 
Pray for their pastor or his preparation. Again, I don't want to see a show of hands. I know some of you pray often. You tell me you do, and I appreciate that greatly. But guys, regardless of whether it's Jeremy Varner, Dean Hightower, Nate uh, Deck, whoever is in this pulpit, it's not about the person. It's about the position. It's about the responsibility as an under-shepherd. And we need to pray for the under-shepherd. We need to pray for the overseer as he prepares the meal, the Word of God. My desire, Christian, is that when I step up here, that I bring to you what God, first and foremost, wants me to bring to you. And that during that pre preparation, that my heart is ready. Pray that my heart is prepared to, to receive the Word, to rightly divide the Word of truth, so that when I bring it here and I serve it out, that it's your hearts are ready, and that it becomes edifying for all of us, and it builds us up. Less than a third pray for their pastor as preparation. Even when the passage is clearly announced the previous week. Newsflash, we've been in Hebrews two years. <laughs> you know where we're going. Now next week you don't. You just know it's a Mother's Day message, so pray for that. But we've known, and this is another reason why I love a book study. You know where we're going. Pray for that. I love, uh, Danielle reaches out and says, you know, we used to, we'd meet Randall and I was, but, but you know, it's fine. They know where we're going. What's, where are you going to be next week? Where are you going to be next month? We try to do it in a month chunk, a month chunk, a month chunk. Say that fast five times. Janice said, no way. <laughs> a month at a time. We know where we're going. Hey, you can look and see songs that, that, that are from the Scripture, that carry the same message, so that when we come together and worship, we've prayed, pastors have been prayed for, the preparation's been placed, our hearts have been prayed for and preparing to receive it. The, the, the people participating have prepared, and, and so we come together in a glorious worship. That's the Word. That's the way of enduring. That's the way we need to receive this. Let me press on or we won't be doing Mother's Day message. All right. The way of enduring. If you want to bear with the word of exhortation that I bring each week, I would encourage you to pray for your own heart to be receptive to God's truth. Pray for me as I prepare the message and preach it that I will be faithful to the text of Scripture and spend some time during the week going over the passage itself, meditating on how it applies to your heart. Read it ahead of time. The effectiveness of preaching does not just depend on how well I preach, but also on how well you listen. Did you hear that? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Even Jesus, the greatest preacher ever, exhorted his audience, take care how you listen. Luke 8, 18. Take care how you listen. Your first duty is to obey Godly church leaders. And that primarily means obeying the word of God that they preach. That's what it truly means. If I ever say anything that's outside of Scripture, you have my permission, not that you need it, to dismiss it as an opinion. But if it's the word of God, we all have responsibility to listen and obey. The grace... That's the other thing we see here in this text. Notice how he closes this out. He says, grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. Fitting way uh, to close this. 
again, he's, he's, he's sort of recapped the old covenant, the institution of the new covenant he's hit on, and he says, grace be with you all. And we recognize that under what God has given through the superior Savior, Jesus Christ, it is truly amazing grace. I appeal to you, brethren, bear it with a word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all saints. You know, Billy Graham tells us, told a story for his passing of he was driving through a small southern town. He was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Graham admitted his guilt, but was told by the officer that he would have to appear in court. The judge asked, guilty or not guilty? When Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. Suddenly, the judge recognized the famous minister. You've violated the law. You've violated the law, he said. The fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. He took a $10 bill from his own wallet, attached it to the ticket, and then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. That said Billy Graham, is how God treats repentant sinners. Guys, we broke God's law. We broke His law. The penalty has to be paid. And Jesus Christ paid it in full. And He treats us to a steak dinner and then some. That's grace. That is amazing grace. Conclusion of this book study. Jesus is enough. The old covenant was only a shadow to bring us to the substance. Jesus is a fulfillment of all the old covenant. The new covenant's been offered in Jesus' own blood. The life of Christ paid the debt we owed. It is finished. His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection has provided the way. That's good news. That's our great shepherd. That is amazing grace. The way to be made right with God has been provided at the cross. Forgiveness is at the cross. You can be justified at the cross. The way to be made clean is by His shed blood. That's what Hebrews has been telling us. His shed blood has provided the means, the atonement for our sin. And as a Christian, it still is our daily cleanser. 
1 John 1 9 says that if you confess your sin, He's faithful, He's just, He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Repentance isn't just a one time turning to the cross and receiving the justification, that's just the start. Now, it's justified. The hammer, the, it's a legal term. It's like the judge dropping that gets it. Not guilty. Yes, that was declared at the cross. In the moment that you turn and receive by faith Jesus' work on your behalf, you are justified. You cannot be undone. You're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be undone. You cannot lose your salvation. But God is at work in you in a present tense salvation, wanting to sanctify you, wanting to cleanse you. And that comes through the Word as well. And that comes through the grace as well. And that comes through me and you constantly at the feet of the cross, repentant when we fall short, when we mess up, when we blow it. It doesn't give us a license to sin because if that's the case, then you don't understand grace. When you've been forgiven such a great debt that we have, when your life has been turned from eternal hell to eternal glory, there should be an appreciation, a gratitude, a gratefulness that that longs in our heart to want to serve our Master, to want to live for our Lord and Savior, the one who came and died and purchased our redemption and has risen again. And the way to live, the perseverance of the saints, by grace through faith in Jesus, who is the hope of glory until we're glorified. And guys, just as He promised, Jesus would come and He did. Just as in your salvation, present tense, He said He'll never leave you and He'll never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus will fulfill His coming promise. Jesus will one day glorify us in new bodies. There will one day be a new heaven and a new earth. And one day we saints, when we have come to the last leg of our race and we finish that, that, cross that finish line, we will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. There's a joy coming. There's a glorious day This this world is filthy compared to what awaits us. Our eyes and our imagination can't even begin to comprehend what awaits us. My prayer is for all of us. And I know my heart, guys, as much as I can. And I know it needs daily cleansing and daily changing. But we run this race with endurance, with our eyes fixed upon the author and finisher of our faith. The Lord's return is soon. And Jesus is enough. Let's pray. Father, what a wonderful book. Thank you for the letter to the Hebrews. Thank you for your word and thank you for your grace. Apart from each of these, uh, we would be lost, dead in our trespasses and sin. Lord, thank you for sending Christ. Thank you for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And Lord, my prayer is anyone listening via podcast, watching via television, or sitting here in this congregation today, if there is uncertainty in their heart, 
Lord, I pray you give them assurance today. I pray that wherever they are right now in this closing moment, they would turn from their sin and turn to the Savior who offers them eternal life, believing Him for who He is, the way, the truth, and the life. May they by faith today receive Christ, invite Christ to be the Lord of their life, to be their Savior, because you promised, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here, if you're listening or watching, and you've never called upon the name of Jesus Christ in this closing moment, pour your heart out to Him, and He makes you an eternal promise. He will not turn you away. By faith, receive Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen.